0: Hello everyone and welcome to the Frog and the Dragon. It's the key podcast where we talk about stuff. Rupert, how are you doing today? Joining oh, me from Quite good. All the way Damn over I. in Germany. <laughs> and uh, of course I'm, uh, I'm on my lovely island in the middle of the ocean. So Rupert, what are we talking about today?
1: So today's episode is going to focus on general archetypes and color pairings in these certain archetypes. And yeah, I think we just Yeah. Going exactly. On.
0: So let's kind of first of all let's talk about what is an archetype. So an archetype to me anyway is a style or a pattern of play. Generally archetypes are divided into three kind of umbrella categories if you'd like to think it that way. You've got Control, Aggro, and Combo. And under all of those types of decks, you've got sort of sub-archetypes then. But for the most part, most styles of play can be drawn back to either Control, Aggro, and Combo. And depending on your cube, you may want to support all of these. You may want to support some of them or others. But generally, I would say, just so that a wide variety of players especially if you're yeah. the kind of person that likes going to game stores with the cube and be like, "Yo, impromptu, let's play a game of cube." You want to kind of be able to cater for various types of people. So,
1: and also just keeping the drafting and especially the gaming experience. For fresh. sure,
0: for sure. Like, I mean, if everyone because as well, if you if you were to just have a very narrow cube, say that is just all aggro. There's going to yeah. be one aggro deck that just comes out on top whereas yeah. You know, if you have some control decks in your cube, those control decks can counteract the aggro decks. Or maybe you've got a combo deck that can, you know, beat out the control deck. You know, it allows for counterplay to have different archetypes. You know, and of course, you all know this. If you've ever watched, you know, competitive play or if you even play commander, you know that, like, there's different decks. They have pros and cons. And that's exactly what you want to do with your cube. You're not building... 360 cards or however many cards you're building a bunch of individual little decks almost yeah so Rupert how would you actually go about you know deciding what kind of archetypes to put into your cube how do you decide what actually should there be
1: so generally as you said I think I would just go by the Basic rule of thumb that including the three basic archetypes is always a good start. And then maybe check what kind of color pairings you want to have in your cube. And what of what um, archetype of those three base uh, control, combo, aggro um, you want to have in those colors. And this is what we are going to be talking about next. Um, is... What colours favour what archetypes?
0: Yeah, so a very natural way to design archetypes is often to pick colours that complement those archetypes. Now, while that isn't always necessarily a must, there is plenty of cubes that forgo caring about colour balance instead of balancing the archetypes. But, of course, that is a bit more of a difficult task. So what we're going to do, partially because it's a very intuitive and easy way to design a cube is we're going to take each of the 10 two color pairings and design an archetype based around them we're going to specifically go into what we're going to do with those with those color pairings in a future episode but for now we're just going to go through the color pairings and kind of suggest some cards and suggest some archetypes that fit those color combinations uh so with that in mind Rupert how about you start us off? Uh, pick a color pair and kind of give us a give us a rundown
1: yeah, sure. so I think I will start with my personal favorite color pairing, which is is it for those of you who don't know what that is uh is it the yeah <laughs> it's the blue red color combination mm-hmm. and so during well basically for most sets that Wizards has released. Is it has been associated with one word, and that is spell slinger. For spell sure. slinger is basically yeah what it says. You sling a bunch of spells. Yeah. Um, which means cast cheap spells get advantage of them. Yeah. That's pretty much it. Um, so of course this favors two subtypes uh, of archetype. Um, especially the tempo archetype with mm-hmm. um basically means gaining early card adv- uh, not card advantage actually board advantage um it just
0: general incremental advantage to be honest
1: yeah sure like it uses a lot lo- like
0: <laughs> <Shit>. it's okay <laughs> lots of words like the yeah. is it mage you are just spluttering spells hardly able to keep up with yourself <laughs> yeah
1: um, so yeah where was I um... Um,
0: so yeah what does so like the tempo deck really wants to take advantage of the fact that you are going to be playing permanents that take advantage of the fact that you are casting spells so for yeah, example sure. The tempo deck really likes, say, Goblin Electromancer, because Goblin Electromancer is going to make your spells cheaper, which is going to over time give you incremental advantage because, hey, you've been spending you've been casting more spells, but paying less mana for them. Yeah. Or things like say Talrand Sky Summoner, the little four oh, mana two yeah. two that creates a two-two flyer whenever you cast an instant or sorcery. Like Opt is a fine spell. But Opt is nuts if, if it comes with a free 2-2 bird.
1: It is. Yeah.
0: And the Tempo decks really like that fact that you can go and turn these somewhat mediocre spells or even good spells. Like casting a Brainstorm and getting a bird or casting a Brainstorm and getting to draw and discard an extra card. Like that's a powerful effect. That's, you know, it's useful. <laughs> so, yeah, the tempo deck really likes to get that extra bit of advantage, an extra bit of value that it can by mm. casting all these spells.
1: Yeah. On the other hand, it also is often described as a some sort of aggro subtype, um, mm-hmm. where, of course, by establishing board advantage, you try to overwhelm your opponent as quickly as possible. Um, being... In the blue color, also means that these tempo aggro decks feature loads of creatures with evasion. Um, so mm-hmm. a specific cut that comes to mind there would be, um, the all and ever loved Brazen Borrower, which on the one hand features an option of some sort of pseudo removal, which yeah, is establishes... yeah, it is, yeah, uh, it returns them.
0: Mm-hmm.
1: um, so. We got pseudo removal and we got a three one flyer for Mm -hmm. relatively cheap. So this card just dreams tempo for me.
0: Yeah, like and as well, it has that great advantage as well of like Brazen Borrower is essentially, you know, two cards in one. Like if you draw a hand with a brazen borrower, you've basically got eight cards in your hand because you have that extra bit of functionality with it.
1: And it's been a staple in blue standard decks, like since it came out.
0: Um, another way that you can kind of spin the is it spell slinger deck or just is it decks in general is to go for a more burn based approach Um, this can also kind of rotate you into a mono red burn deck as well depending on how you go with it but there are a lot of spells in magic or permanence in particular that have when you cast an instant or sorcery destroy or not destroy sorry deal a damage for example firebrand archer a two mana two one that whenever you cast an non creature spell, deal a damage you've yeah. got gutter snipe you've got you know there's so many of these little creatures that just deal damage, deal damage, deal damage, and yeah, that sure. very quickly turns you into turns your deck into a machine gun
1: yeah um, S- speaking of machine guns and uh, getting <laughs> value of playing spells, how could we not name the is it card? What is the it card? Well, of course, it's Niv Mizzard Parent, which <laughs> not only deals burn damage per drawn card, but also lets you draw cards while playing instant and sorceries.
0: I mean, he's very expensive and very splashy, but like, you know, if you'd. While I don't think he's good in draft, I'd say. No, like,
1: no, certainly like, not, you, but.
0: But I mean. You know, if you're worth your salt, you might, if, and he comes around in the pack, (laughs) you gotta just sort of flex a little bit and boom. (laughs) Um,
1: Like it's basically game when it's out.
0: Exactly. Um, Another archetype of is it that often comes up is um, Mm -hmm. there's also show and tell decks. They are very popular in powered cubes. Based Mm -hmm. off the namesake, show and tell, each player puts a card from their hand into play essentially. Yep. You know that's a very is it thing to do to just cheat spells out, mm. also you've got things like sneak attack, which is basically a red equivalent of the same thing. Dump yep. something from your hand into play and it to haste. uh yeah. although that is a more expensive archetype to build as you know show and tell and sneak attack are both pricey cards, and then obviously you need good cards to cheat out, so that is a very pricey archetype. But it just i mention it real here here just real quick because it is a very powerful option
1: yeah.
0: Um, let's move on then. Let's kind of talk about another, an, one of the other color combinations, keeping it in blue. Let's, let's talk about Simic for a minute. So Ooh, Simic is guys. a, Simic's a great color because you get the big man of green combined mm. with the card draw and just control of blue. So yep. with that in mind, you often will think of E of rampy mid range, even control decks in Simic. Mm. Um, with that in mind, you kind of open yourself up to like a lot of options with yeah. the flash enabling aspect of blue and again the efficient creatures of green. Yeah. So, you know, you can get a very like if you look back to some a set like Magic Origins, there was a flash-based tempo deck in that draft environment, which mm. was a really you know, flash is an excellent mechanic cuz you just not just do you give your creatures kind of a pseudo haste by casting them at your opponent's end step. You have such a great element of surprise, essentially saying to all your opponents, yeah, you're not going to be able to block efficiently ever.
1: <laughs> yeah, you don't want to be charging that Simic player with, with four mana open. Like, no way. <laughs> Absolutely. Like, I mean, from flashing in a chump blocker to
0: flashing in something that ruins your day, like, yeah. it's a crazy thing.
1: Um, yeah, I just love this. Great card in mix- Origins.
0: Uh, was a hydroid crisis? I think it was. No, hydroid crisis—that standard card, isn't it? Um, yeah. Damn it! Uh, there is a fantastic little flash creature in Magic Garden that I think taps down a creature when it enters, and mm. it's just like, mm, "Sorry, let's just make combat impossible for your opponents."
1: Yeah. <laughs>
0: um, have you anything to add on Simic? Any any pet favorite cards that you like for that sort of style of play?
1: Um. Like not particularly simic, but definitely in the flash archetype, um which would be the uh night pack ambusher, um which is yes. a two green two uh whatever flash four four wolf that buffs wolves and creates tokens. And it's just mm-hmm. so much fun to play, especially against Forward. aggro dash. Sure.
0: Like for sure, it, it, and like combines, been a...
1: it combines the best of both worlds. Basically, uh, it is a fat creature, and it has the instant speed um, characteristic of blue.
0: Exactly. It's um, like even if you look at recent standard sets, there has been a Cynic Flash deck in standard, so definitely look there for some inspiration. Yeah. And again, with the with the Flash deck, you can go for a sort of a tempo-y kind of style deck, or you can go down the realm of a control-y sort of style deck. Again, looking at the element of surprise and the ability to force your opponent into inefficient combat really makes this, uh, this deck one that's very tricky to play against, but also very skill-intensive to play because you're trying to find that perfect moment to cast your spells. Yeah. You know, you've got stuff like, uh, I found the card, I was thinking of Bounding craces, three mana, three, three with flash. When it enters, tap or untap a creature. Like, mm. you know, you, you just swung in with your big creature. The opponent's going to swing back at you. You flash this in. Suddenly, their day is ruined. You yeah. know, of course, you know, what flash deck would be complete without, uh you know, <laughs> our good friend Snapcaster Mage? Oh, yeah. You know, a, de- a, a card that not only fits in very well with the flash deck, but could also fit into that Is It Spell Slinger deck. Yeah, sure. And actually, this is a very relevant point. In relation to building archetypes, you want to make sure that your archetypes have a little bit of crossover so that people are fighting for cards. You don't yeah. want players to just be picking cards because they're, they happen to fit. You want there to be contention. Yeah, so the, the, they like, shouldn't be
1: exclusive for an archetype. Exactly.
0: Like it, like, of course there's going to be exclusive cards, but not all yeah. of them should yeah. be exclusive. Like Again, cards like Snapcaster Mage. The it deck wants it and, this, and the mm-hmm. Flash deck wants it. Exactly. You know, have cards like that that, they're, that you know the players are going to fight over. I mean, even on a more general level, you know, you're going to have multiple control decks. So you want the control players to fight over various pieces of control. Mm-hmm. You want the aggro players to be fighting over the lightning bolt. You know, yeah. have those cards in there so that the draft environment is interesting and people aren't going to end up with the same 45 cards after every draft. Yeah. Um, yeah. But yeah, that's my little, okay. side, a little aside. Um, in terms yeah, of Simic um, as well, um, you also have the capability for some excellent ramp through the form of you know, things like elves and the like. Yeah. But again, that also kind of bleeds into things like Silesnia, which really cares about going wide. So maybe that elf kind of vibe mm-hmm. crosses over between Simic and Silesnia. Yeah. So you've got, you've, you've got plenty of room for people to fight each other, which is, again, a great thing
1: yeah so ben uh we've been talking about green creatures quite a lot now mm-hmm. why don't we talk about a color pairing that focuses on bringing those things back over and mm-hmm. over again of course go gary yeah
0: black green so rupert what are you what comes to your mind when you think reanimator uh, you
1: think about- black green reanimator come on um Definitely, Maren of Clan Toth, I think it is. It <laughs> can you tell that we're commander players? <laughs>
0: <laughs> yeah, but... but even at that, but even at that, like Maren isn't even awful in cube. Like if you've got it's that all... slow, grindy deck, like Maren can actually clean up super hard.
1: Like, like f- with a CMC of four, she isn't particularly slow though. Like
0: yeah, exactly. Like again, obviously, it all depends on your power level. But, yeah, 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 yeah. The animator is a lovely archetype because particularly in the Golgari color, Reanimator allows you to play it as either a aggro control or a combo deck. Mm. So for example, there are cards, um, oh God, I can't think of the name of it. It's like a two mana something, something that returns a one one mana cost creature from grave to play. So you can have, there's a bunch of those creatures that return other cheap creatures to play. Mm. You know, So you've got a very kind of, You've almost got an aristocratzy aggroy deck there, reanimating cheap creatures and sacking them or attacking them yeah. with them, without a care in the world. Yeah. Alternatively, you could be playing a very risky combo deck that sort of plays things like the original reanimate. You know, pay I'm going to pay fifteen life and get back this big fat creature, yeah. and hope to fuck you don't have removal for it. <laughs> you know, or maybe you're playing the control deck with. Top where you're slowly getting back creatures getting that advantage you know maybe even casting more expensive less efficient uh reanimate spells like i think there's a five mana reanimate spell with flashback yeah. really slow but if you're in that controlly deck that's perfectly fine
1: yeah i also like the idea of uh, using the black part to if essentially, discard cards or mill yourself, getting those big, fat green creatures in your graveyard and then just mm-hmm. cheat them out with the various cards you have in this colors. Like Exactly. Especially the new Ikoria set um, mm-hmm. has a ton of support for this archetype. I'm thinking of cards like Back for More, which would be a. Five CMC sorcery that not only gets you a creature back from your graveyard but also having it fight another creature. Which is yeah, you've got fun. removal
0: and you've got reanimate rolled into one. That's
1: yeah great.
0: Again, depending on your power level, maybe a five-mana reanimate spell is a bit too much. Yeah. But you know, maybe we'll see. In terms of our cube, as as I think we said in the first episode, we're going to try and Not go too crazy on the high price, but we're Mm. also going to... We haven't set a hard limit as to how pricey it's going to be. We're not going to be throwing in Power 9 or anything. (laughs) We're not going to be throwing in $100 cards, but...
1: Just having this and that.
0: (laughs) We're going to have this and that, you know. As well, there's no point us designing the perfect cube for you, because we want to give you a starting point, so that even if you don't design your own cube, you know you can at least take our cube and modify it and have a good time. Yeah. So anyway, Gulgari as a reanimator strategy is always great. There's also, in su- sort of the similar vein, there's also Dredge is a very popular Gulgari based strategy. Mm-hmm. But again, Dredge, is, um, Dredge has only so many cards in it. So you have to, you know, it is a smaller card pool, whereas Reanimator has been printed throughout magic's history so there is a bigger card pool there that's another thing to keep in mind when you are designing archetypes is your archetype too narrow is there not enough actual cards for there to be a good choice yeah um tipping away anyway keeping with black dropping the green let's go into orzov yeah so orzov has a very clear theme in a lot of sets we're talking aristocrats and we're talking life gain and life drain
1: yeah having things die and profit of it for sure
0: and again, this is another point actually of uh overlap between Gulgari and Orzov with maybe with some of those cheap creatures that you just kill off to get an effect and you reanimate them to mm. get a bonus. Oh yeah. you know? That's a very nice little point of contention for those two decks to sort of battle it out over cards. But <coughs> yeah. Loris. <Lawrence. they're... laughs> Loris. <laughs> uh, but yeah, the the Orzov deck absolutely loves getting creatures out and just Using them to generate an advantage. Yeah. You know, things like Tesa Karlov getting your double death triggers. Yeah. Um, what else have we got? Like a, a bunch of creatures, like even what's it, gar- the Garrison Cat that creates a 1 1 when it dies. Mm-hmm. Like little bits of value like that are just, mwah, the Orders of deck loves it.
1: Yeah. And it also has access to like the best removal in the game. Like yeah, black like and it's white pr- colors.
0: Yeah. Like it's pretty hard to argue with, like, Sword to Plowshares, Pat to Exile, yeah. Snuff Out, Vendetta. Like, even even just, like, Black just has, you know, Black's just known as a removal colour. There's good shit there. And, of course, Orzav also opens itself up to be a great control-based deck because, of course, you, again, have access to some of the best board wipes in the game. Mm. Which, even if you are just going, even if you aren't going for the aristocrat strategy, you know, just a hard control deck is a very, very valid way to win a game.
1: Yeah, <laughs>
0: you don't need to win the game; you just need your opponent to concede the game. <laughs>
1: <laughs> so, yeah. Speaking of control, oh boy, <laughs> let's come to the next color. Uh, the most color to, uh, the most fun color to play against uh, for sure. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, I'm speaking Azorius. Yes, sir. So, blue, white. Is there anything else to this uh, to this color? pairing than just control
0: um like it can be control but you also do have a couple tempo based strategies and artifact based strategies within the Mm color for example blue does lend itself to the idea of uh animating artifacts and things like that and then Mm -hmm. white has the ability to make your combat a bit more favorable so you know if you're swinging in with artifact creatures from, blue, from the blue side, you've got white to back it up with a bit of combat prowess as well. Mm. Um, in terms of control, you've also got access, of course, to the dirty word, stacks. <laughs> I mean, some people would regard stacks as a little bit different to just raw control. Stacks is just purely about denying the opponent resources. In all senses of the word, yeah, so like, you, do you, don't, have... you
1: don't even have to counter what your opponent plays if you can't I mean, play it at all.
0: If I mean, you know, the best form of counterspell is just mass land destruction, right? <laughs> <laughs> You're a
1: bad man.
0: <laughs> oh man, I'm a person that plays Armageddon in Commander, fight me. Uh... <laughs> I played a Taigam deck for a while that gave my Armageddon rebound. Like, I have Mm. no care in the world. Mm. (laughs) But yeah. So Azorius is known as a controlly color. But again, you Mm. can make it into something more than just control. Either a tempo deck by enabling favorable trades from white's combat abilities or into an artifact-based deck. Because, of course, white and blue give you access to things like Thopters. Again, that Artifact theme can really enhance this color and turn it into almost an aggro deck if you've yeah. got the right pieces.
1: To be honest, it, Azorius fails to often devolve into this kind of flyer aggro deck in like limited generally because it just features... So, like, it focused so heavily on flying creatures. Yeah,
0: of course. Core 20 had that uh, a blue, white, and one for a, a 2 2 that gave all other flyers plus one plus one. Mm. It's a great card. Like, blue, white can beat down when it wants to. Like, <laughs> don't make any <laughs> mistakes about it. Uh, I guess tipping on again, uh, we have almost, I think, the inverse of Azori. We've got Rakdos. Oh, yeah. Rakdos has an interesting mix of things in it uh, again very aggressive color pairing which also lends itself to the aggressive reanimator style decks or to the aggressive aristocrat style strategy mm-hmm. so here we go again talk about intersections between decks and making decks fight for cards yeah um you know you've got stuff like footlight fiends the little one mana one one that when it dies ping something yeah. there's mayhem devil i it's just man I can't think of the name of the card it's a little creature with persist that has when it enters the battlefield deal a damage equal to its power uh it's the um, raptor's
1: goblin isn't it um, yeah yeah
0: yeah I, I can see him he's got a dumb little nose yeah and, yeah um, but yeah like you, you see what I'm getting at like cast him deal some damage persist him back use a cheap reanimator spell to reanimate him mm. and just get that damage in. Rakdos loves getting big damage in and also by being in red you get access to some good burn potential Mm -hmm. and being in black gives you access to some of the best removal so even if you're not always if even if it looks like you can't hit face you probably have a doomblade handy (laughs) to make face a thing (laughs) (laughs) yeah but yeah, let's uh let's keep moving on. Uh, keeping the black, dropping the red. We have Demir, nice blue black color pairing. Again, very tempo kind of control orientated color here. I think. Yeah.
1: So I would, I would go rather, ahead, with some. Yeah, I would rather say control heavy than tempo because Demir seems to focus on a rather slow and yeah, kind of drainy gr- drainy play style. Um mm,
0: not tr- yeah, maybe not drain you like aristocrats, but the Demir deck will hit you with a one-one flyer for days and it'll be yeah. perfectly happy doing that. <laughs>
1: and you won't be able to do anything against that as for the damn blue colour in this colour pairing.
0: Exactly. The blue makes it a very tricksy colour. Yeah. Um of course, uh I take a nice bit of inspiration from the popper decks of Demir when designing Cube because you get access to things like ninjas. Mm-hmm. Ninjas are some of the best tempo cards in the game. Oh, thanks yeah, sure. to a little keyword Ninjitsu, which lets you return an unblocked creature to your hand and replace it with the creature with Ninjitsu, which most of these Ninjitsu creatures have a when this creature deals damage, do a thing. So you've got you've got god names are escaping me right now. But there's a ninja that has when you deal damage, you draw a card, discard a card, and there's another ninja that makes your opponent discard two cards when it hits. So mm-hmm. these creatures are very, very impactful when they hit and really cause a nice bit of disruption in the game. And of course, by having that uh, flashy nature about them, it forces your opponent to really think about their blocks, where it's like, how would I say, they're forced into a situation of, if I block, my creature probably dies. If I don't block, they're going to ninjutsu something. Yeah. So you really have that lovely feeling of just, making your opponent, it, pitting your opponent into a lose-lose situation.
1: <laughs> and again, kind of shares cards with other archetypes. Like ninjas love flyers, wouldn't you know?
0: Oh, for sure. Unblocked creature, yeah, flyer. <laughs> yeah. Sure, hit
1: me with this zero two Thopter and then get surprise killed by a 6-1 ninja that just jumps out of it.
0: <laughs> is there a 6-1 ninja? That it, sounds actually yeah, terrifying. Yeah, I
1: think there is a black one. That is That's pretty scary pretty, pretty scary.
0: Um, before we move on to our next colour, I'd also mention another archetype of Demir that is a bit of a weird one, Mill. So the Mill archetype based around the rule that if you draw from an empty deck you lose the game mm-hmm. or self mill alternatively, winning through things like laboratory main or Jace or the new Jace. Yeah. mill archetypes are weird because it's a very unique way of playing but you have to be careful with it because mill is a very parasitic archetype in a lot of environments. Mm -hmm. What I mean by that is generally mill cards only go into the mill deck. Yeah. Like a card that reads target player mills 10 cards. No one wants that except the mill deck. There's no fighting for it. And it's just purely self-contained. Um, Although I would, All, only consider although I would in...
1: argue, oh, sorry, yeah, yeah, uh, probably the same you were about to say. I would argue that se- especially self milling works really, really well with the reanimator aspect of demir.
0: Yes, if there is good support for reanimator, self mill is great. Or if you've got like a dredge deck in there, definitely yeah. mill and self mill become a lot more palatable. Yeah,
1: so so there there is use for it. But yes, maybe I would not just as much be cautious, as cautious,
0: especially if you're going for the archetype of milling out opponents. Just be careful because you mm. oft if you have say one person drafting mill and everyone else is drafting other decks, there's often a bit of a bad taste in people's mouth when they're past their one last card and it's a mill card and they're like, I have no use for this. There is no universe where I play this. Um so just be a little bit careful yeah. with that. On the topic of parasitic archetypes, um, I might also just give an honorable mention to Storm as well, which um, I guess we'll t- we're, I'm going to go mm. on a little sidetrack here. Storm is another example of an archetype that is very parasitic <laughs> in nature, in that cards that exist for Storm are only good in the Storm deck. So for those of you that don't know, Storm is a, Storm is a mechanic that reads, when you cast this spell, copy it for each other spell cast before this turn. For example, Grapeshot, which is deal one damage, Storm. Uh, the Storm deck relies on a lot of cheap mm. spells and rituals, things like Dark Ritual, things like uh, Desperate Ritual. Those cards are generally not good in many decks outside the Storm deck. So you want to, again, be careful if you're putting in Storm. Often there's just too many slots in your cube go towards the Storm deck and you just have a lot of duds. With that aside, yeah. uh, Rupert, what else have we got here?
1: Yeah, let's jump to an uh, a color pairing. dear that... to our heart. <laughs> well, <laughs> yes. Yeah, so we're talking Boros, and there is a thing about Boros in the general limited environment. So you know, Boros, being the red-white color pairing, generally lends itself to a really, yeah. really aggressive play style and. Yeah, like, and it lends into that so much that there is basically a meme about Boros decks (laughs) that that they can't do anything else. But to be honest, in Limited, you don't have to do anything else if you're just racking face. (laughs) Which this it
0: absolutely can
1: does. Like this card. Yeah. Um. It is generally easy to draft. It is really really aggressive as i said um and people will be wary of people drafting boros Boros
0: really does have a really nice advantage of taking advantage of white's super cheap super premium removal and red's ability to just hit people (laughs) so uh there is of course go ahead
1: it also has some sort of well it it has some tribe support uh, generally, soldiers. we're looking at humans, um, soldiers. As for recent sets, I Sorry. guess knights. Can you just hit me with um, that
0: again? Though? As for recent sets?
1: Yeah, sure. Um, uh, especially yeah, knights. knights has a
0: bit of support. Um,
1: mm-hmm. um, so yeah, we're talking basically human-centric tribes. That really profit sure. of this And color
0: Again, you can also go into sort of equipment and aura based decks with Boros. Boros does love its equipment, especially with oh, soldiers. Yeah. There is a lot of soldiers and things that have things like you can equip stuff at instant speed and stuff like that. So mm. there is a lot of potential there. But Boros, again, is very much because of its lack of card advantage, it is very much often relegated to an aggro based strategy. Yep. Moving on, speaking of aggro. Gruel, big boys. Yeah. <laughs> if Boros likes to hit you with little oh, guys, yeah. Gruel <laughs> loves to just hit you. Also with little guys, but also big guys. Um. So, uh, Gruel often has a lot of yeah, like, the little guys. The little guys, little guys don't stay. <laughs> you know, I'm looking at yeah. the <laughs> collector. Um, you know, you've got a <laughs> pardon me. Um, Gruel has the ability to ramp, but also the ability to buff its team, the ability to really just get a strong board presence quickly and just hit you. We're looking at things like Burning Tree Emissary, yeah. two mana for a 2-2 that gives you two mana when it enters. It's just a free creature. So you can fill up that board really yeah. quick. Um, again, yeah. also...
1: We're also looking at cards with the keyword of Riot, which I don't know if it was it introduced was in... Houston, yeah, um, I think Riot's a big great fun. keyword to big have fun.
0: in a gruel deck because you're it giving is. yourself that option of do I hit them now or do I be patient and hit them? Which, you know, that's a wonderful mm-hmm. thing. Um, yeah, like more, more decision decision-making in your aggro deck. Sure. Yeah, I mean, wonderful. You know, and of course as well, green also lends itself to the kind of cheaty creatures like Galta and things like that that costs less for each creature you have in mm-hmm. play and things like that. If you're talking tribal support, yep. werewolves is also a great thing in Gruel, where you're getting these oh, yep. very interesting creatures with the transform ability that kind of almost let you have two creatures for the price of one, where you're flipping between modes, mm. getting multiple e- getting value off into the battlefield triggers and things like that. So you've got a couple mm. options with Gruel, even if it may look like just another big smash archetype on its face. <laughs> And finally, the last color pairing, we got Celesnia, which...
1: Yeah, staying, staying in green, green, dropping exactly. red, so adding a Celesnia
0: white. lets you take advantage of green's ability to ramp, letting you go wide really easily, possibly in more of a tokeny based strategy, rather than green's ability to go wide with the creatures in your hand. Um, you've also got a little bit of life mm-hmm. gain thanks to white, and also thanks to white and... Also, a lot through green, you get access to Bogles. I. Bogles so what is, is derived Bogles? from an old card called Slippery Bogle, which is a one man or one woman with hexproof. And Bogles as an archetype describes mm-hmm. any kind of deck that basically wants to suit up a hexproof creature and just hit you. <laughs> and again, because of green's access to hexproof and white's access to incredibly efficient auras and removal you can pretty well mm-hmm. assume that your suited up little group, little bogle is going to hit <laughs> and i love <laughs> selesnia for that it also bleeds into blue a little mm-hmm. bit be- a little bit of the cynic deck for example um, mm-hmm. but that's uh again that's something for another day i love selesnia for its ability for its ability to kind of go wide and its ability to turn its army into a army of big boys.
1: <laughs> yeah. And you're better not playing enchantments or artifacts mm. against so this. Pair. What's nice
0: as well is you also potentially, depending on if you support it, uh you can get some great card advantage in Selesnya decks, thanks to enchantress based decks, decks that are based mm. around cards that have, when you cast an enchantment, draw a card. Um uh I can't remember any named cards specifically, but most of them have the word
1: "succession champion." Yeah,
0: most of them have the word "enchantress" in their name, and of course, oh, you can yeah. look to recent sets. The recent Theros has a bunch of cards that just care about enchantments, and that can mm. really uh, kind of stir things in your mind. So, yep. with that in mind, that's our kind of quick rundown of the ten is it guild pe- is it guild pairs the ten two color <laughs> pairs. Guess which ones? One, my favorite. Uh... So with us kind of having run down what each color pairing is about in general, let's just run through what archetypes we have decided on for our cube. And then in the next two episodes, we're going to go through each pair in a bit more detail and talk about the cards we're going to include in these archetypes. But for now, let's just let you know what's up ahead. So Rupert, how about you hit us with with a few of the color pairs? What are we expecting out of each of these?
1: Yeah, sure. Uh, once again, starting with is it? I think we will mostly focus on a Spellslinger aggro approach, um, basically featuring best of both worlds. Exactly.
0: You're going to get to play your efficient blue cantrips along with your red lightning bolts, you've got your fire blasts, your really efficient things like that. Like I say, tune back in next week and we'll kind of tell you a bit more about that. In Simic, we're going to go for the flash tempo-based archetype. Again, we want to really enforce that hard-to-play-around style of deck that I think a lot of blue mages really like that idea of just controlling the game by making it hard. <laughs> Moving on then to Golgari, we're going to go with a reanimator strategy. And for the moment, I believe we're going to stick it to a more mid rangey style reanimator deck. That's reanimating cheapish creatures and then maybe in the late game using more expensive reanimator spells. Yeah. Again, depending on how the archetypes look, we might flip this around a bit, but for now we'll go for a mid-range reanimator strategy.
1: Yeah. For Orzov, I think we are going to go mostly aristocrats mm-hmm. um, to also have it potentially profit of the reanimator type of Golgari and yeah. um, also support later on. Uh, the come color mm-hmm. And of course, Aristocrats as
0: well, even without the reanimator, can stand on its own to really yeah, know, sure, wrap sure. around the game. Uh, Azorius, sure. we're going to go against the grain of full-on control and actually build an artifact-based strategy that focuses on mm-hmm. playing mobile threats like Thopters, integrating some of the flyer support, but also taking advantage of the control magic that both these colors have to offer as Rupert said, Rakdos is going to be an aristocrat strategy as well, but leaning more towards the aggressive side of things. Swinging in with the creatures, not caring how the blocks go, because no matter what they block, they're probably going to take some damage anyway. (laughs) (laughs) Moving on with Demir, we're going to go with a tempo-based strategy, trying to take advantage of things like ninjas and incredibly efficient removal and potentially some flash-based threats to make things hard for our opponent
1: yeah
0: no surprise with boros what's boros going to be rupert <laughs>
1: well um uh, i don't know probably control no <laughs> Actually, um... to
0: be fair boros <laughs> stack sounds sweet <laughs>
1: oh yeah but yeah blood moon is a bloody good card um <laughs> <laughs> yeah well then um yeah of course boros is going to feature loads of aggro creatures mm-hmm. um Go wide. So pretty straightforward. Hit
0: them hard. Get that haste.
1: Yeah, yeah pretty straightforward. Um, in gruel, we are going to go a little bit of a mixture of burn and aggro to kind of enforce and strengthen the decision-making aspect mm-hmm. uh, of this color pairing, to not just have this blunt aggro type that we already already have by
0: introducing things like werewolves as well we hope to take advantage of this spell casting aspect of things as a lot of the werewolves have the condition if a spell has been cast transform or if a certain number of spells have been cast do a thing so that really kind of it it means that you're not just spending your spells to burn someone out you're going to try cast your spells a bit more tactfully to take advantages of these creatures yeah and finally, Silesnia. we're going to hit it with a Bogle slash Entrantress style theme, probably leaning towards a mid-rangey style deck, thanks to the Enchantresses, mm-hmm. But the Bogle's are there to allow for a strong and efficient, almost combo-like finisher by dropping your Bogle, suiting it up, and just not having your opponent be able to answer it. So that's our rundown of the archetypes that we are going to be including in our cube. We are going to be putting links to the cube in the next episode onwards once we actually have a couple of cards filled in. But for now, I've been Ben and this has been The Frog and the Dragon. I hope you have a fantastic time and we will see you in the next episode.